Welcome to another episode of Signal Fire Radio, a show about ambitious leadership for ambitious leaders. Our guest today is Dr. Frank of the Frank Institute, where we are going to discuss your overall physical and mental health after you get out of the service. Do not go anywhere. We've got a great episode lined up for you right here on Signal Fire Radio. Signal Fire Radio. I am your host, Rob Renz, Marine Corps veteran, entrepreneur, and small business owner. If this is your first time joining us, we want to welcome you. This is a show about ambitious leadership for ambitious leaders, where each and every day we have encouraging conversations designed to feed the mind, strengthen the body, enrich your soul, and grow your tribe. I am joined by two members of my tribe, my two favorite members outside of my wife and children. Evan the Muscle Hamster Anderson. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. Are you well? I'm well. Yeah? I'm well. I feel good. What's happening with you right now? Uh, so, big news. I just turned in $6,000 worth of gear uh, as part of my transition that, uh, I, that I will never have to see again, ever. Compliments of the United States Army? Yeah. So, it was, it was all of the, the cool guy deployment gear that I turned in that I'm super stoked about. I still have a bunch of equipment and, and uh, you know, rain jackets that they give us. To turn in, but uh, six six grand worth is is off the. That's books. a big number. So yeah, you could say that's a load off your back. Uh, yeah, big time, <laughs> big time. Yeah. It was a big big step for me. Yeah, and if you heard that little uh, that chortle um, from the gentleman to Evans, right, is everybody's favorite golden retriever of Signal Fire Radio, our very good friend, the narwhal from NorCal, Mister Matthew Mylot. Matt, how are you, bud? <clears throat> I'm ready to jump ship because I see that water. And I just want to start swimming. <laughs> Are uh, you in a mood today, bud? No, it's the inside joke, remember? Yeah. Remember what we were talking about earlier? I forgot the inside joke that we, were, that we just uh, came up with. my current job. It's inside about, of Matt's oh, own head, maybe. Oh, yeah. yeah, so I have, <clears throat> I have the privilege of being able to see Matt's laptop from the, from the, the producing, producery room. <laughs> and he's just over there r- r- clicking retry, refresh my network on LinkedIn. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. <laughs> Try, trying to get to 3,000 connections on LinkedIn today. Oh, stop it. it. It would be great if you could join the show with us, though. I'm here. <laughs> Thank you, buddy. Thank you. Now, you know our guest. You've met our guest before, right? I feel like I've met him. We have somewhere. I'm not, I, can't, I can't remember where. I try, I try to forget as much as I can when I meet, <laughs> meet guys like you. But I do want to say, alas, it's... Somewhere, but I can't remember where. I met you at the thing with the guy and the yeah, people. Exactly. And the place. Yeah. <laughs> now, Evan, you have never met him. No. Okay. Uh, this is my first time meeting him, but I think I've known him by reputation. Um, That's not good. No. Well, I think it is good <laughs> for your practice. That's true. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't sell yourself too short, Dr. Frank. But, um, but yeah, I think I've known you by reputation, especially listening to this radio station and just seeing all the great work that you're doing around town. So... Uh, for for the people that don't know you in our audience, why don't you just kind of give them like you know from from start to now? Um, okay, well, first of all, thank you guys. I appreciate you having me on. Um, so I am Dr. Gabe Frank. I am the founder and medical director for the Frank Institute here in Wilmington. Um, real quick, I was born and raised in Chicago. I uh, went to college at the University of Wisconsin Stevens Point, where I played basketball. Uh, I actually played three years professionally. Um, around the country and I actually played in Israel realized there wasn't much call for a slow white guy in the NBA. So I was like, maybe I should find something else to do. Dirk Nowitzki no, wasn't Wally, around. Yeah, 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 he's 6'11". I'm 6'5". Wally Zerbiak, Detlef Schrempf. Yeah, the, we yeah, could go 6'8", 6'11". <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Rich Mullins also was 6'7". Six, six, yeah, yeah. Jason um, Williams. Okay. He's really fast. Um, <laughs> I'm not. And so I went to medical school at Jefferson Medical College in Philadelphia and actually started my career as a neurosurgeon. Um, so for basically four years, I operated on brains and spine. It was great and miserable at the same time. Um, and I realized it was not for me. So I looked around and I was like, what do I really want to do? So I did a fellowship in neuro rehabilitation and started to understand how to rebuild, to regenerate, to restore the body. And I started the Frank Institute about six years ago. And that's really what I do, um, is I restore and regenerate the body. Personally, uh, 
I have three little kids. My wife is a, is a physician here in Wilmington as well. And, um, nine and six year old daughters and four year old son. And they keep me very busy. Did the, the, your, your four year old son. So I'm, I'm a girl dad. Matt's a girl dad. Uh, Evan has a boy too, as well. When you had your son, was it like, you know, going from having a girl dad, two girls to having a boy, like what was that change like for you personally? It was when my wife decided we were having a third kid. I had just not involved in that decision. I was obviously involved in the, in the decision-making, but not yeah, the process, right, not the decision-making. Yeah. Decision um, and when we, we called my dad and my mom and told my, that my wife is pregnant again, my dad, who's very big into legacy, our family, um, 98% of my family was killed in the Holocaust in Eastern Europe. And the people, the, the members, the three members of the family that got out literally walked from Budapest, Hungary to the coast and then came to America. So legacy and family is a really big thing. And my dad looked at me and said, this better be a blanking boy. <laughs> um, knowing my father, so my father grew up on the streets of the West side of Chicago and built himself into a very successful man by just being tougher than everybody else. Um, and I was like, dad, well, it's a little late now. And when uh, we found out it was a boy, we kind of told him first and he was just beyond. So, I wanted a third healthy child, to be honest with you. I didn't really care. Um, but the fact that it's a boy is, is good. And, and he is the spitting image of my father. Really? I mean, to the mannerisms, everything, he is exactly like my dad, the same temper as my father. Um, but it's, it's, it's cool having him and just watching him interact with the girls. It's, it's, it's really wonderful. Well, if it turned out well for your dad, I mean, you know, and he's got, your son has the same temperament and everything. Maybe he's got Maybe he's got a good shot at making a huge difference then. I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. He's, he's thankfully my kids are all very intelligent and very stubborn. <laughs> um, but they're, they're, they're good kids. I'm really lucky. Now, so did you, did your dad want a son because you're the end of the branch on your family tree? Yeah. yeah. So my yeah. son is the only Frank boy that's, so wow. he's, he's the only one that's carrying on the legacy. And there's a lot of history in our family that goes along with the last name. And so my dad was very big on you know, obviously he loves his granddaughters, but you know, he, the, the son is a little bit different. Yeah. It's funny. Um, <clears throat> cause I'm, I'm in a similar situation as you, like I'm the last Ren's male and we have two girls and my wife and I are having that back and forth. Will we, won't we discussion right now to try to try for a boy. And I'm like, man, I'd love to have a son. I'm, I, th I feel like I'm trying to come to grips or come to terms with it. This could be, you know, the end of this Ren's family line. Cause I don't know if we want to have a, um, another, and if we do, you could still get a girl. So, you know, but I'm, I'm right there with you. So, um, but I agree with you cause legacy is a super important thing for me too, as well. And I think about that, uh, more than I don't. So, you know, congratulations to you for having a killer family and a awesome practice. And it sounds like your family went through a lot of stuff to get to where they're at. We really did. And, um, it's, it's kind of a, it's, it's a long, interesting story. Um, one for, we'll, we'll share over a beer sometime. But, okay. Um, basically my family or we were horse farmers in Hungary and we supplied horses to the army. And so as the Nazis came into power, the Cossacks before them, they started to take things away. And so as we, as my family looked around, they're like, wow, everybody's gone, but us. And they said, now we're too important to the army. They will never take it. And so my great grandfather, yes, saw the writing on the wall. And actually started to sell everything he had for a bag of diamonds. And it was those diamonds he used to bribe people to get to America. Wow. And there were four diamonds left. We call them the Frank diamonds. And my wife wears one as her engagement ring. Holy that, cow. That's unbelievable. So, that's and, it, it, and it was a very prominent jeweler who designed a, a beautiful ring for my mom was going to design, design the ring for my, um, my wife. And my dad showed him the stone. And he looked at this, the, the jeweler looked at stone and said, where'd you get this? And my father said, what do you mean? He goes, where did you get this? He's like, this is an 18, an 1800 stone from Hungary, isn't it? And my dad said, yeah. He said, how do you know? And the jeweler said, my family's from the same part of Hungary. What? No way. And so my wife wears a Charles Kripel original and Charles Kripel designed JLo's ring. Wow. So, and he, and he said, I'll do it. And I will charge you what it cost me for the platinum. And that's it. Did you, when you were a young man, younger than you are today, you're still a young man. But um, like when you were 
in high school or going playing college basketball, were you thinking about legacy and family the way that you are right now? I always have because it's always been big. My brothers and I, and I'm, I'm the youngest Frank boy. There were four boys, um, but I'm the only one who has a son. Um, and so it, it, was, it was very important to us from the beginning. My dad always talked about family and love and tradition. And this is who you, this is your tribe. Right, you rely on your brothers, and that's it. And so that we've always grown up that way, and to this day, we still are very, very close. How did? How do you think that crafted your career? That's an interesting question. I don't think I've ever been asked that before. Um, it was extremely motivating because while everything, while a lot was expected of me, a lot was provided to me in terms of support, in terms of love. And so I got to shoot for the stars. I got to do, you know, I mean, I got to almost make it to the NBA when I had no business doing it. I got to go to a top flight medical school because I I said, you know, the heck with it. Let me try. And because I knew I had this support, I, I was able to do it. And it really propelled me into things that normally I don't think I would have been able to do. But because of that support, because of that love, because of that legacy, you know, I'm, I'm where I am now. And that idea of family and that idea of taking care of others is what really drives the Frank Institute. And over the last 15 months, we have really changed what we do and how we think about things to make it feel like this is something that everyone is included. Everyone can benefit from. Everyone is welcome. And, you know, and, and that's one of the reasons we've become, you know, thankfully so successful lately. How do you think you've weaved those two things? Because you're talking about culture mm-hmm. and then you're talking about medicine. And, you know, when I go to a doctor's office, I don't really feel like I'm going to be in a place where I'm enjoying myself, right. you know, and it sounds like that's kind of what you guys are trying to do with your practice. How are you, maybe not as, as the provider, the healthcare provider, but as the leader of the business, merging those two things? It all starts with the right people. Um, you have to have the right people in place. And as the leader, you have to be able to explain your vision appropriately and clearly. And it's that vision of being encompassing and understanding that drives everything that we do. We get up in the morning, we get to the Frank Institute. Okay, what are we going to do to make people feel comfortable? Because if you come into my office, you don't feel good. Like You're tired. You don't have any energy. You have no libido. You can't think. You can't remember anything. And you are basically laying out your most personal and your most deep insecurities to mm. a total stranger. And that's what I am. If you break it down to it, you know, you, you don't know me. I don't know you. But here you are. I'm asking you probably questions you don't share with your family that I need to know and you need to be honest with me for. So I don't wear a white coat. People want to call me by my first name. That's fine. When you enter the office, it does not look like a doctor's office. Christina is the first person you meet. She was always smiling, always friendly, because it has to start with everyone there exuding this idea of welcomeness and this idea of culture and this idea of, hey, this is a place you can get help. And if you can't have that culture that you've, one, explained and two, can execute, then kind of, especially at a doctor's office, it's a huge difference. Um, Like I go to my doctor and everybody there is miserable. I'm like, wow, like, geez, this is terrible. What a Western medicine thing. It really is. And, and that's not what I want because in order for me to do the best job I can, you as a patient have to be as open as humanly possible. And so that's, that's how we do it is just to try and lay it all bare. And, and I get good, I'm lucky I get very good results. So Evan, Evan was a combat medic. Evan, were your, uh, your patients, um, that happy to see you. <laughs> uh, I mean, happy to see me because they knew I would I would take care of them. I guess. But oh, here comes uh, the morphine. Uh, yeah, <laughs> You'd no. plug them up. No, not. I mean, it was it was more so that I I really did, like you said. You know, I, I tried to make it an open environment. I tried to mm-hmm. make sure that they knew that that I cared. And and you know, like guys, we've talked about before. Like I still remember guys that I was deployed with you know, back in 2010, like I remember their allergies, you know, cause I, I cared that much for them. I had everything written down in a book and tried to create that environment. But typically, um, 
No, on like a Monday or Tuesday morning, it's like, "Hey, Doc, um, can you um, can you come in the room with me?" And I was like, "Dude, I, I don't, I don't want to look at your parts." It's man. Monday, but yeah, exactly. Let me get the Rosefin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, the the peanut butter shot in the butt. Oh, oh yeah, and that, that was a medical joke. You yeah. guys didn't get that. Yeah. Rosefin used to treat syphilis. Yeah, and gonorrhea. And no, yeah, that was the that was the shot that you put in the butt cheek because yep. it has to go into deep tissue, and then they'd make you roll on it. And it was just like well, sitting penicillin. on a softball. Was that that's penicillin? even worse, so, yeah. Uh, Rosefin is just the thing that kills everything in your body. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it kills every bit of bacteria, virus, anything some, could ever be in there. Do, yeah. some, do some gut health therapy after taking Seriously, one of those. Yeah. 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 So that was that was like a typical, a typical Monday. And then throughout the week, it's just like lots of knees, lots of low back, lots of you know, headaches and stuff. So. I love it. We're going to take a real quick break. When we come back, we're going to ask Dr. Frank, what are like the top five things that somebody who's transitioning out of the military can do to better prepare for the road ahead? Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back on Signal Fire Radio. Welcome back to Signal Fire Radio, ladies and gentlemen. Evan, you threw me, dude. I was scrambling. You didn't put anime 3 on the jingle palette. I and I just, no, I just noticed it like... Eight seconds before we came back from break. I mean, it's not like a, it's not a make or break, but Matt doesn't have the same energy if we don't play that, I guess. Yeah, I know. Last episode, I forgot I to play it, <laughs> and we don't get the signature Matt skydive hand movement from M83, and he didn't say anything for the last, like, 40 minutes of the show. We, we had good flow going. We, we, yeah, we, me, Evan, and Avery had good flow going, but... You mean Gabe. No, 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 no. I said the last show, not the last segment. Oh. oh <laughs> He's like, man. I don't even know my guest name. It's yeah. fine. Yeah. No, no, no. I know our guest name. I'm talking about the last <laughs> so show. So rude. <laughs> what I was going to do, what I was going to do there, Matthew, before you side swiped me, yes, was Robert. I was going to say, if you're enjoying this episode of Signal Fire Radio, you can listen to previous episodes of Signal Fire Radio, where we have great guests like Dr. Gabe Frank. And if you're enjoying this one, by the end of it, if you'll please leave us a five-star review and write a very nice review because it helps us by helping other people find our message. Matthew, can I have your approval? Was that professional enough? That was good. Okay, thank you. Can I be the host from the show from now on? Because last week was Avery. Last week was Avery. Got it. There you Got go. It. Okay, I see where you're going. There you go. The narwhal from NorCal. I love you so much, buddy. Love you. Um, and one of the best one of the best bits of feedback that we get from this show is that it's informative, it's entertaining, but it also feels like to a lot of people that you're just sitting outside of a, a burn pit somewhere in Kandahar or some other god-awful place. Matt, you shivered when I said Kandahar. Well, the only time that I spent in Afghanistan, it was chilly, cold. Yeah, yeah. when you invaded. You want to talk about burn pits, though. Good yeah, I know. Boy, right? That's a shiver. <laughs> so much healthy stuff in a burn pit. <laughs> I know, I know. So just, you you uh, deal you deal with a lot of veterans now, right? Yes, I yeah. deal with a lot of veterans. So um, you're seeing a lot from our generation, the post 9/11 generation. Like, what are what are the if you could categorize our group and say like these are the major things that you're seeing as as a provider? What are those? That's actually that falls into two categories. I see guys who are starting to slide at like 27, 28, 29, and I see guys at the same age who are complete train wrecks. And the guys who are, and it's, it's always the same, the symptoms. It's brain fog. It's no energy. It's no sleep. It's irritability. And that's a big one that guys don't understand. Irritability and low testosterone run hand in hand. Hmm. And then you get libido. You get lack of, of motivation and drive. But the cognitive part, the, the mental clarity, the brain fog, the motivation and the energy, that's really what, I focus on when I start to treat guys and when I start to have guys come in and you know, they're, they're in one of those two categories, I start to kind of ferret out exactly what it is that's, that's really bothering them. And a lot of times it's those three things. What's the root cause of that? Like, why does that happen so prevalently? That's the million dollar question. We don't know. I can give you my best. Stress is a horrible thing. Mm -hmm. And you guys, as you know, Serving in the military is not stressful at all. No, no. Right? You guys are just just peachy all the way yeah, around. Yeah, we wake up when we want. Yeah, of course. <laughs> we don't we go nice places. Yeah. And so take that training that's catastrophically difficult and then put on top of it a deployment where literally you guys could die at any second. That's that kind of constant beat down stress. Just that can be catastrophic for your endocrine system. But then put onto it 
the fact that you guys are exposed to who knows what, talking about burn pits, who knows what they're burning. Then you, you, another big one is head injuries. Mm. I have, I call, I call it breacher brain because <laughs> the guys that are breachers have the same kind of signature labs. So if you've been a breacher, you're 82nd airborne, you're, um, deuce. Deuce. You, you've been, you've been popped a couple times by IEDs, you know, you've put three, 400 rounds through your weapon every day for five years, it starts to add up. Sure. And the, the HP access that basically controls from the hypothalamus to the pituitary to the testicles, that whole pathway just shuts down. And it just is like, nah, I'm good. I don't need any more FSH and LH. I don't need any more testosterone. And so you at 27 come in with a testosterone of 280 when it should be mm, 900 or 1,000. And like, hmm, I wonder why you don't feel good. And the VA, and I hear this so many times, the VA is like, oh, you're too young to have low testosterone. Here is an antidepressant. Here's an anxiety medication. Here's a sleep medication. And here's something for focus. And the guys come to me on these four medications, and they're like, I don't feel any better. In fact, I feel worse. Gee, I wonder why, because no one is addressing the underlying cause. And that's what I see across the board. And it's incredibly frustrating because these guys are suffering for years for no reason. And it's and it it I, I have to control myself because I start to get very angry. I start to get very upset that you guys have done so much and then the military is like, good luck, and just that's it. And then you you know, guys land on my doorstep and I'm scratching my head trying to figure out where do I even start. Well, and that's that's so typical of like military medicine in general too, is that you know, whacking away at the leaves when the roots are just gone rotten. Mm -hmm. So you know, it's like Rob was talking about earlier, you know, here's, here's something to wake up during the day. Here's something yeah. to help you sleep at the end of the day. And you're just in a vicious cycle of medication instead of even thinking about what it is that's making you feel that way. Like you said, those pathways are just completely messed up. We're not doing anything to fix the connection between our, our endocrine system and our, our libido and everything else, all the, all the functions of our body that, that are tied into each other and messed up due to lead levels and stress and everything else. And it's, and it's reactive medicine. It's mm -hmm. not proactive. It's not trying to prevent anything. And granted, by the time guys get to me, there's nothing to, to fix in terms of prevention. Um, I actually reached out to some guys in Bragg, at Bragg to try and do a research study to say, what were your testosterone levels when you came in? What's the difference between, and I'm going to show my ignorance, although I'm learning, between SF, Green Beret, CAG, you know, deployment versus non-deployment. Sure what are the testosterone levels for that, for those guys? And how do they change over course of time? You know, after, you're, after you say you're deployed, now you come back, what's your level? So you get to start to realize how much stress just absolutely crushes these guys. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm lucky. I have a bunch of Green Berets that come up from Bragg. And, you know, I, I look at these guys' levels and I've tracked them over about a year, year and a half. And it's just like, how do you guys go and do what you need to do with a testosterone level of 350 at 28 years old? Yeah, and I think that's that's like uh, you know one of the big things that we're seeing is that they're able to do it because they're they're surrounded by their team. You mm -hmm. know, their the mission calls for it. They have to perform at a certain level. But once they once they take the uniform off and they don't have to do that stuff anymore, that's what we're seeing is these guys that you know they're they're getting out and they're gaining a whole bunch of weight or they're getting crazy depression or anxiety or just all these super hormone because they're not forced to perform at a high level anymore. And people used to ask me when I was a neurosurgeon, you know, I'd go 40 hours without sleep. And at the 40th hour, I have to be as sharp as the first hour because at the 40th hour, I'm operating somebody's brain. Mm -hmm. People used to ask me, how do you do it? I have to, mm. I don't have a choice. Same kind of thing. So Absolutely. Is, is there, is there a hormone that will like take over in those high stressful situations that will keep you in overdrive, even though like everything else in your body is completely depleted? But like, how, do, how does that happen? It's in, it, I don't know if I have an, an answer where it's a specific hormone where I can say cortisol or testosterone. It's a mental toughness more mm. than anything. Either you have it or you don't. Um, I mean, you guys, I'm sure have served with guys that can just, no matter what's going on, they can bear down, they can focus, and they can get the job done. And then you got guys that will crumble at, you know, if they, if they stub a toe, you know, that kind of mental toughness gets developed over time. 
and you know, you, you either have it or you don't. So I'm not, I think it's more of that, just the more of the will to get it done. And cause you're the, the brain is an amazing thing. The brain can do almost anything. Um, and it can overcome the body's exhaustion. But at some point, even the brain's like, eh, I think, I, I, think, I think we're just gonna go ahead and flip the switch off for now. <laughs> Tapping out here. I'm done. So, so how, go ahead, Matt. So how do, um, so you, you gave us some insight on, on like your male patients, but how, how do you female, uh, service members, if they're submitted to the same deployment cycles, the same environments, the same stress levels and duration of stress and anxiety, what is it, how does it look differently in a female as opposed to a male? In a way it doesn't because stress is an endocrine killer across the board. Whether it's in a, in a man, in a woman, whether you're talking about testosterone, whether you're talking about cortisol, whether you're talking about thyroid, it doesn't matter. It, it's just a kind of a blanket effect. And one of the things that people don't understand is all women need testosterone, just like all, all men need estrogen. And a testosterone of 15 or 20 in a woman is not normal. It should be 80 to 100. And so that stress, that deployment cycle, all the things that, that you deal with, <laughs> the, the atmosphere doesn't care if you're a man or a woman. It's going to beat you down the exact same way. And women will have very similar issues in terms of symptomatology as men do. Um, I, I will have 30, 32, 35-year-old women come into my office and be like, I'm having night sweats. Mm. Mm, okay, well, the research has shown in the last five years that low testosterone can actually affect that and actually cause night sweats. Or I'm gaining weight or I have brain fog, or, you know, my moodiness. <laughs> that, and, and this common misconception that, oh, it, that's due to your estrogen. It's not, it's due to your testosterone. And if you're not balanced, we as guys are easy to treat. Give them testosterone, make sure your estrogen doesn't get too high. No big deal. Women, <laughs> I have to be somewhat careful. <laughs> it's an intricate dance, we'll call it. Balancing testosterone, estrogen, progesterone, cortisol, and thyroid. More so than guys because progesterone and estrogen don't have nearly the effect that it does in a female's body. So it takes a lot more to get a lot more information, a lot more time, a lot more lab testing, a lot more understanding to try and balance hormones in a lot of the female service members than in, than in the male. But it's the same issues. Interesting. So you talked, you talked a bit um, <clears throat> a few minutes ago about preventative measures if, um, you know, I'm, if I rewind my life 12 years and I'm back to corporal Renz or Sergeant Renz and I'm getting ready to go on another deployment, like what would your recommendation be given that we know that the op tempo is going to be high. So you can't, you can't, you don't control your lifestyle, but if you could do some things, what would those preventative things be? So that's really, in that situation, it's very difficult because the main stressors you don't have any control over. So lack of sleep is going to be a big one. So sleep as much as you can. <laughs> Try and manage stress as best as you can. Like, you got to be kidding me. It's like telling me to manage stress. <laughs> like, okay, fine. Why don't you go watch my three kids while they're running around <laughs> like crazy people? Um, but in terms of what you can do while you're there, strength training and keeping your body fat low. I'm not talking about being ripped. I'm talking about keeping it relatively appropriate. So making sure your diet is appropriate. You have to take in enough healthy fats, especially if you're expelling the amount of calories that you guys do while you're over there. Mm -hmm. You have to take in enough healthy food. Supplementation, things like zinc, things like omega-3s, those are the big two. I realize being over there, it's probably the last thing on your mind, but making sure you're eating, staying active, in, in weight training, building muscle, and getting rest as best you can. The, the healthy food thing doesn't really go into... The chow hall. Right. Which, which I'm, say, I'm saying you gave me the worst yeah. possible scenario. I'm like, uh, there's really nothing you can do. Well, I don't no, want to say there's nothing you can do. But. No, I had an idea when you were saying it because, you know, and we're not, we're not in combat the way that we were, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago. Um, <laughs> but I remember getting the care packages that were like full of Skittles and gummy worms. and Oh, we'd fist fight over. Yeah. Jerky. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. There was Beef also jerky and baby wipes. That's like that's that's <laughs> scrapping baby, material. Baby wipes right are gold, man. Those are those are jailhouse cigarettes when you got when you got baby I, wipes. I also like beef jerky and baby wipes. This is weird. Yeah. I would not. I, I would not. One. I wouldn't I, fight I you bad. for a pack of those. No, ones. he's a no, big no, man. No. Yeah. <laughs> Universally loved by all. But but I mean, I'll you just know, go to Target and get you something. Yeah. 
Yeah, you can afford to buy him some now. But like, um, you know, imagine if uh, imagine if you got <laughs> a care package full of actual methylated multivitamins that had zinc and omegas in it and stuff like that. They'd be in the chaplain's office. You think they would? Collecting dust. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody <laughs> would use them? No one. Oh, well. Where's get- my Maxim magazine? <laughs> yeah. Where's my Where's my C4? Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> Is it pre-workout? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. The Zion, so the, the no, NO explodes. Seriously. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh. So good for you. So, so good yeah. for you. We should talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I can't. I know that a 19, 20-year-old kid, we liked what we liked. You know, Rippets and Maxim magazines and... Uh, uh, Jack Link's beef jerky. Did but he say whippets? Rippets. Rippets. Oh. You know, <laughs> I didn't know anybody. Was he he might have liked whippets. Yeah, <laughs> whippets. I was like, what is he talking about? Yeah. My uh, APOFP. Please yeah. send whippets. No, rippets were these tiny little energy drinks that had like sixty-five grams of sugar, and they just in gave one. Them, they gave them away by the case, yeah. so you could just drink them like they were water. Take, every every chow hall, every every place had them. They'd be like, "Oh, we're in from the we're in from the fob. We need to reload yeah. our rippets." Yeah, He'd be like, "Hey, we don't need more water. Get two cases of rippets." Yeah, perfect, <laughs> yeah. fantastic. So, so let's say so you're, enlightening. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> let's say you're not on deployment. You've just gotten back, um, oh. and or well, I guess we look at both perspectives. I'm getting ready to deploy, or I just got back. Um, what would you recommend as those preventative lifestyle choices that you can make, maybe in your mid to early 20s that'll affect you in your 30s, 40s, 50s, and beyond? During the time that you're not deployed under these ideas of total stress, trying to have a routine where it's normal, regular sleep cycle, regular eating cycle, training, water, it's kind of the same thing. Mm. Um, I mean, <laughs> thinking back to myself when I was playing basketball at 23, like, you got to be kidding me. We stopped at Burger King on the way home from, from, from practice. <laughs> yeah. you know, the, there's your healthy fats, right? The, yeah. right? On the yeah. way to the game, we'd get McDonald's. Yeah. And I, yeah. you know, I, and I, I learned very quickly, though, in my body, I couldn't eat like that. And so I was one of the only guys who actually ate decent. Like, mm-hmm. I would make my own dinner. I mean, these guys, these guys were such genetic freaks. They would go out and eat, be out all night drinking, come into to the walk around, walk through in the morning, hungover, Go home, take like a three-hour nap, and then drop 40. And I'm like, I'm over here training, stretching, like taking cold baths, like going to the trainers, and I'm barely making it. And these dudes are dropping Getting eight 40. minutes off the bench. Yeah. <laughs> well, I actually played. Average like 25, 28 minutes a game. They Not needed, bad for six minutes. They needed a slow white guy in the they Israeli did. team. Yes. <laughs> they, the only thing that I could do quickly is I could think quickly. Mm. And I could read the court very, very quickly. And while I wasn't fast, I could get up to my top speed very quickly. Um, I ran like a four six forty, so I wasn't like I had like a twenty eight twenty nine vertical. So I could stand on the basket, jump up, and dunk it with two hands. But you know, these guys are taking off from the free throw line and dunking it with two hands. Yeah. And I'm just like at six nine. I'm like, I'm going to medical school. What am I doing? <laughs> that was when you knew. Yeah, <laughs> I remember I got I drove baseline once uh, at a home game, and my brothers were they used to sit courtside when I played for the Rockford Lightning, and I drove baseline. And jumped up and tried to like quick dunk it. I, I mean, I think I had like two dunks in a game ever. And I was like, I'm just get it up because they had a seven one seven foot one guy. And I got it and dropped my arm, the, my left arm, and left my side of my head open. And he hit me with his bicep because he I didn't jump nearly as high as he thought I was going to. <laughs> and all I remember is waking up on the ground, face down, looking up, and my brothers. There were th- at that time there were three, um, like ready to fight this dude, and I, I remember looking up at him and I'm like, "What are you guys gonna do?" Yeah. <laughs> like he's seven one, three hundred pounds. Like what are you? So did I, you did he did you get a concussion? Were you knocked out? Yeah, I had four. Really? Actually. Yeah, I had four concussions playing basketball. <laughs> that's like I don't know if that's a statement to not play basketball. Anyone who says basketball is not a contact sport yeah. has not played it at any significant level. I got the snot knocked out of me. I, I broke three ribs in, in my rookie year and then ro- rebroke them over the course of years. Awesome. I still have <laughs> I still have a big knot right here where I broke them. Permanent, um, permanent foil oh yeah, my chest. Kid, from- my, my, my kids will jump on me. I'm like, ah. Still hurts. <laughs> yeah, still hurts. Still got a floater. <laughs> so we got about four minutes until we head to the break. Talk about that, like the concussion side of things. Because, you know, our community oh, deals man. with TBIs all the time. And, and you touched on a little bit. Like what are what are some I guess maybe some practical things we can do 
ourselves? And then what is, what's next if like, okay, I need to take this to a professional. TBI and concussion is just, I mean, I think the CTE in football has really opened up the understanding of how bad these injuries really are. A concussion, one or two is not bad. When you have multiple, there, it's irreparable damage. Mm. So, you know, guys come to me and be like, well, I've, you know, I've gotten blown up by four IEDs. What, what am I supposed to do now? And I'm like, there's not really much we can do in terms of recovery. The more, what I tell guys is a concussion, the more rest you can do initially to kind of quiet everything down because it's an inflammatory response. And so there's good research showing if you can start omega-3s and salicylic acid initially, the recovery time is better. So, I mean, an ideal world, wow, you get a concussion, yeah, I'd like to throw you in the hyperbaric oxygen chamber and give you some IVs with NAD to try and regenerate things. In an ideal world, that would be fantastic. Practically, obviously, you can't do that. So trying to just shut everything down and let your brain heal initially is the biggest thing. Don't be like me when I got up and went to the free throw line, shot my two free throws, took me out of the game, puked behind the bench, and went check back in. Mm. Do the Brett Favre Don't. thing called the same play four times in a row. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Um, hey, hey, I'm from Chicago. Don't okay. bring it up that sorry, far. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, he only uh, went to school in Wisconsin. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, he had a Bears fan in central Wisconsin? Are yeah. you kidding me? <laughs> and when the Bears were terrible, they were terrible. Twice a year, it was awful. Um, but, you know, concussions, people don't realize how really severe they are. And if you have issues, you need to be evaluated early. And if you think you have a concussion, go to the doctor Go to see a neurologist. If you need to get certain scans, get them done. And, you know, you can start a cognitive recovery program. There are those out there, but you need to be diagnosed and you need to get into the system, so to speak. So when, when is that uh, moment, I guess, if you've had two, three, or four concussions, what are some of those symptoms that you start feeling like later on in life? Because they're going to affect you 10, 12, 15 years down the road that somebody should pick up the phone and call you. Basically, just the, the same symptoms that I kind of went over before, the irritability is a big one. Um, you'll start to have cognitive changes. You can't focus. Uh, you have no memory. You, just, you start to have irrational reactions to things where, you know, like, for example, like my kid would knock over a glass of milk and instead of giving him a towel, flying off the handle and throwing things and being so angry at something so silly that it's almost irrational. And then you come back and you think about it like, wow, why did I react that way? But it's such a kind of almost like a hair trigger that it's that kind of repetitive irrational irrationality, I guess for lack of a better word that you're like, Oh wow, wow something's going on. Mm. Go get testosterone checked because if we can fix your testosterone, a lot of those, a lot of those, the majority of those symptoms will go away. Now, it's not going to fix everything because there is a TBI aspect to this that can't be fixed, so to speak. But the anxiety, the depression, the irritability, the mood swings, all that stuff cognitively, the research is very strong. And in, in, I mean, ask any doctor that does this for a living, you see changes in guys within weeks. The depression goes away. They're more level. I mean, I've had wives of guys who've been overseas and come back being like, I don't know what you're doing to my husband, but don't ever stop. <laughs> Because he is the person he was before he left. Now, can I fix everybody? No, of course not. But that's a really good place to start if you start having these symptoms, just understanding where we're going to go in terms of the treatment options. Typically, what do those treatments look like? So everything starts with the blood work. You got to come in. You gotta, we got to see where you are. We got to measure. And if you're young and your FSH and LH, kind of the beginning of that pathway, are tanked, we can use things like Clomid, where you can basically kickstart your natural production. Some guys that just doesn't work. The younger you are and the closer to the, in, to the insulting injury, the better it works. Um, like when I went on treatment at 42, I didn't even bother trying Clomid because I'm an old fat guy and I timed out. <laughs> um, so I just went right on testosterone. And there's some guys, again, you have to understand that you can't crush someone's testosterone to build their testosterone. Hmm. So if they're still producing some, the levels are three, 400, you need to give something like HCG to continue to have natural production going. And then you can kind of top them off with the testosterone on top of that. So there's no set protocol. A good hormone balancing, a doctor that balances hormones, 
that understands how to restore and regenerate should never use the same protocol for everybody. Mm. And unfortunately, you see a lot of that where you go to these places and you're like, oh, you're going to come in once a week. And I get these guys that call me from, from all over the place. And they're like, well, I went to this clinic and they said I need 200 milligrams of testosterone a week and I got to come there every, for a shot. Well, you're 28 and you don't have any kids. Oh, they said, don't worry about it. Okay, well, I'm going to fix you. So now we have to undo everything they just did. And then we're going to start from the beginning and we're going to get you better. You know, if I can get guys on Clomid and get their levels returned and they stay there, perfect. Mm. See you later. See you in 10 years when you need me again. Um, but for, you know, for the majority of my guys, especially my younger military guys, the idea of restoring your natural production should be the first thing that people talk about, not putting you on testosterone. Yeah, I'm sure when uh, you hear a doctor say, no, don't worry about it, that's probably like clue for I shouldn't, <laughs> I shouldn't use this guy. Maybe not for hormone therapy. Yeah. Are, are you seeing um, people in the profession doing more of that? Uh, like, is there a caution class of providers that are, that are doing exactly that, that are just kind of like, you know, um, marketing, for lack of a better word, to people mm -hmm. and not really knowing how to get to the root cause? Yeah. And, and, and it, because it's, I'll be very honest, it's lucrative to keep people on testosterone. Mm. It is a recurring revenue model where they come back to you. Those of us that do this the right way, patient first. What do you really need that's going to fix you? It may be testosterone and we may not have any choice. That's fine. But if I can fix you, if I can heal you, if you come to me and you're 400 pounds and you pull a, uh, a Mountain Dew out of your coat and you're drinking it, I'm not even going to put you on testosterone because I, it's not going to work. I, you, need to, you need to heal. You need to be healthy. Let's do these things. Let me get these kind of lifestyle changes started and then come back and let's talk about it. Because your testosterone might come up naturally because you're beating your body up. You know, and there's, there's other clinics. Thankfully, there's none here in Wilmington that do this. The doctors in Wilmington that do this do it the right way, and all of us do, thankfully. But there's other places like, you know, in these big cities, some of these tea clinics is just, you know, next, shot, next, mm. next. No thought process. You're in the, and out of there in five minutes. Yeah. My average appointment for a new patient is almost an hour. Because there's a lot of stuff. You guys are, you guys are special. <laughs> you military guys are special. Um, it takes a lot to try and, and, and unwind all of this. Well, I don't, I don't think you saw it, but when you were rattling off like IED, 400 rounds, yeah. yada, 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 Evan was over there yeah, playing no, bingo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Counting on my fingers all the yeah, things yeah. That, that could be tanking my testosterone. Yeah, you, won, you, you won signal fire bingo today, yeah. Dr. Frank. So. All right, cool. We're going to take one more real quick break. When we come back, we're going to finish up with our guest, Dr. Frank from the Frank Institute. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Signal Fire Radio, ladies and gentlemen. We had to, Evan, I had to play some more fun poppy music. Gene uh, just hit a cabbage patch in here, I think. Really? Yeah. How about that? I, was, I like think that? that's what that was. You like that? I liked it. Turn the butter a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> what was your... All what, basketball players can dance, that's what, a fact. What was your go-to dance move in high school or college game? So I tried not to. Because um, it's nothing like a goofy six five dude that yeah. can't that can't really dance. <laughs> slow white guy. Yeah, slow white, that so, can't dance. I, so I keep it real simple. You know, in the movie um, Hitch, yeah. When he's, oh yeah. When he's I'm like, keep it simple. Pizza. Keep it right here. Keep it right. That's this all is where I you live, right here. Yeah, that's right. That's, yeah. Yeah. And it was perfect. <laughs> you know, and I, it worked. It worked great. Ten and two. Ten and two. Ten and two. I love it. That was a great. That was a great movie. That's you a know, great reference, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's a fantastic reference. So my wife and I. Funny, funny story about Jen and I. We went to. Uh, we were in Vegas, and we saw um, Kevin James and Ray Romano did stand-up. Nice. And it was super cool because we sat right next to Randy Couture. Like, and I... Love him. I, I fanboyed. Love Randy. So we were, like, third row, right side, and I was on the aisle because I always try to get an aisle seat because I get agita if I'm not sitting on the aisle. Um, and this... Ajita? Ajita. This monster so of a man comes he, by. I get asafoetida. Hey, whatever <laughs> fails. Yeah, I don't like it here. Yeah. My water's not imported. I'm not happy. <laughs> yeah. Is, uh, this, is this Voss? Yeah. Another story for another day. <laughs> well, this mountain of a guy with cauliflower ear and a shaved head comes by, and I'm like, oh, Jenna, 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 it's the natural. It's Randy Couture. 
And so he sits like three or four seats down from us. But anyways, the point of the story is at the end of it, Kevin James and Ray Romano come out and they're like taking questions from the audience. And uh, so Jenna raised her hand and Kevin James called on her and she asked him, hey, who was a better kisser, Will Smith or Adam Sandler? Because he, he made that's, out. That's an incredible question. That's awesome. He lost it. I dude. bet. He lost it. He was in tears. I think Jenna had the biggest joke of the night. Kevin James lost it or Randy Couture lost Kevin, it? Kevin James. Okay. Well, Randy Couture was, was chortling too as well. I, yeah. You know, I was really proud of him. A guy that like that doesn't laugh, he chortles. No, he doesn't. Hilarious. Yeah, he chortles. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> oh, I love it. Dr. Frank, we're having a really good time with you. We are. Yeah. Is Surprisingly, this, I wasn't expecting this. Yeah, did, were you expecting much? Did Liz brief you at all? I was like, expecting very, very little. Okay. Um, I find if I expect very little and things end up being good, I'm pleasantly surprised. Yeah. That we like to keep the bar low here. I, it's, it, I heard that about you guys. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> kind of why I came in. I'm like, eh, it's eh, going to be fine. Yeah. Eh, I don't know. I'll, Worst I'll, case, I'll, you spend 45 minutes looking out the window it is on, a, onto the ICW. Finally, it's beautiful. Yeah. Out. yeah. <laughs> pouring rain earlier. Oh, that's the river. It's not the ICW. I, I didn't want to okay, say anything. the Cape Fear. It's 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 it's. Uh, I'm not. He's from, from Fort Bragg. Rounds, it's the it's yeah. the IED. So we're just, it's yeah, it's no, all. It's just he's from Fort Bragg. I have though. an awful memory. Why do you have think, you had your testosterone yeah. check? Yeah, I need to. That I'm going to come to the Frank I, Institute I know, after I know this. this guy that can yeah, do that. I uh, I've met a guy. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so actually, I wanted I wanted to ask you yes. um, some one of the things that you that we were talking about a little bit before was like some of the some of the bad things that guys do. You know, and I talked about like C4 as a joke. But like when we're on deployment, we'll find anything and everything to stay awake, to get a better workout, to, you know, we'll buy whatever has a cool label or a crazy name. We're like, yep, we're going to take this. It's going to, you know, in, in this magazine, it says it's going to give me good testosterone. So like, what are the things that we can, that we should stop doing? All of that. All of that. <laughs> Everything you just said. Um, so that stuff is stimulatory in nature. And you can, it's like people who are on Adderall long-term or, people who do stimulants kind of recreationally, it's a constant barrage on your body. It's spiking down, spiking down. And by constantly doing that, you're just, you're, you're, you're emptying the tank. Mm -hmm. And at some point there's no more gas that can go in there and everything crashes. So it's only a matter of time when guys take that stuff and then you need more and you need more and you need more. And it's just, you're feeding your body. And at some point your body will completely fall apart. What was your go-to worst thing, Evan, that you would ever take on deployment? Oh, the original formula, Jack three, Jack three D. Yeah, with the, with the DMAA. Do you remember hydroxy cut? I never oh, took hydroxy. Yeah. That had legit methamphetamines in it. No, did it really? Yes. No. Eventually, they banned it. No, they, not the, it, the, it the original it. version. It 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 had ephedrine in it. It, it had it, ephedrine. It had that's what it yeah. was. Yeah, not meth. Are those? Not <laughs> meth. I'm sorry. I thought those were the same things. Yeah. <laughs> or how no, about? I'll, I'll predate both of you guys on nine. Like when I was deployed, nine eleven in Afghanistan. I would buy Noranderstein Dione, which is nice because you could buy it in pill yeah. form. And oh, yeah. I started doing it because Mark McGuire, you guys remember yep. late of night? Of course, got it. yeah. And let me tell you. That one season when he gained 60 Chicks pounds. dig the long ball. I was, yeah. I was like 216. I yeah. mean, that, that was when I was like operator. Smacking 600 foot home yeah. runs. Yeah. Now I'm 40. <laughs> hey, those are easy, the, easy now. Yeah. I'm 43. Those are the pictures that Sarah shares of you. And, you know, she sends it to the group text and she oh, goes, yeah. Mm. yeah. When Matt was, what was it? What was it called, Matt, that you took? I've never heard of that before. It was Anderstein, Nor Anderstein. It, it, Designer steroids. Design, design steroids. An anabolic yeah. steroid. Yeah. 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 They, were, yeah. <laughs> they were oral steroids. Yeah. So good for your no, liver. No, it was an andro, so good. androgenic steroid. Is that a word? Androgenic? Don't, yeah. don't no. tell the doctor that he's saying it wrong. No, you, I thought you said it. No, you said I asked you what it was. Ooh, that reminds me of another thing, Gene. So something that's huge. His name huge. is Gabe, Evan. Why did I say You said Gene. Gene. I thought he said G. Did G. I say Gene? I was like, oh, we're cool. We're G. Gene. Gene's cool. What's up, G? I'm sorry. <laughs> Gabe is fine. Gene, so whatever you... Dude, you're, you're a terrifying human being. You can call me whatever you want. I'm... I... See? Short-term memory. What the, what, you, what the you, heck is wrong with he me? Looks like he's killed like 15, 20 people. Yeah, just book so, the appointment. Whatever's fine. Uh, whatever you want to yeah, call me. Yeah, I'll call you next week. Um... <laughs> Uh, I lost my train of thought completely. Sorry, buddy. You interrupted me, Robert. I didn't mean to throw you. <laughs> Another thing that you were going to ask me Another about that the norastrogen or the nordiastrogen. Oh, yes. Something that's becoming huge in the community of the military in general, and especially in the soft community, is SARMs. Mm -hmm. Do you have any opinion on SARMs? Because I tell people they're an awful idea. Mm -hmm. um, and they're like, nope, they work. It says right here, they work. Mm -hmm. this, is a, this is a research chemical. Can't hurt me. Mm. So how do you feel about the SARMs? Mm. Um, 
What? What is that? A so a, a, yeah, a so SARM. A SARM is a selective androgen receptor modulator. Such a uh, horrible. Why? Because guys will come to me and be like, "Oh, I did a cycle um, of what SARMs? Oh, oh no, it's fine. It, it doesn't it doesn't affect anything. Come in, their testosterone's you know 180. I'm like, guys, stop, stop, stop. Just stop, please. Just if you don't know what you're doing, please call someone that does. Take the crayon out don't, of your mouth. Yeah, Evan, <laughs> Evan's only asking because he wants to know if he can do it. You can. It's either I mean, not going to work. I can do it. I see, I want, I see yeah. that face of yours. I know a guy. Yeah. Please sign off on this. <laughs> no. Okay. Here's the issue with SARMs is that any schmo can make a SARM. Sure. Any company can come online and make it. And so there's no, there's no uniform. There's no conformity. There's no standard dosing. It's whatever. And guys are like, oh, I get it from a guy. It's real. <laughs> okay. It's not. Because who knows? There's nobody checking to make sure that it's done the right way. There's nobody checking the pharmacokinetics. There's no one checking. Does this actually work? Are what you're saying and what's in this bottle actually doing in terms of the body process what you say? Probably not. Because nobody even knows how SARMs work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, they're supposed to upregulate naturally, right? No. That's not what happens. If you understand the physiology, that's not how this works. You can't upregulate in that kind of way. If you want to increase testicular production of testosterone, you have to increase FSH and LH. You have to increase the, the actual molecule that attaches to the cell that starts the cascade that produces testosterone. You can't just start firing different stuff at it and hoping something sticks. Mm. That's kind of what SARMs are. And, you know, there's all kinds of different ones. The guys are like, oh, I'm on MK566. I was like, oh, okay. Sounds stupid. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Call it whatever you or want. Or just right it's back crap. to just buying whatever has the craziest name. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll know it. We are regrettably out of time. Dr. Frank, if uh, somebody wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do it? So you can give us a call, uh, 910-679-8534. Our website is frankinstitute.com. You can email askdrfrank. It's A-S-K-D-R. F-R-A-N-K. Oh, man. This is not good. I think it's time, like, time for my- Who's treating who here? time for my testosterone yeah. shot um, at frankinstitute.com. But just give us a call. Fantastic. Thanks for coming on. I hope you come back again. I, I, I tell you guys, it's been an absolute pleasure. You guys are awesome. Thank I will you. have you. I will be back on here anytime you guys want me to. Love it. Please. Love it. Ladies and gentlemen, that is going to do it for this episode of Signal Fire Radio. Until next yeah. time. say goodbye to you everybody i turned my own mic down until next time we'll see you next week on signal fire radio go be a signal fire in your community